0: We are looking together at the book of Ephesians and uh, I want to read to you a passage this morning from Ephesians chapter 4. I'll start from verse 1 which we did last week and then we'll carry on into the passage that we'll be looking at this morning. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient This is why it says when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles And builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's a great passage of scripture that we're looking at together this morning. And I want to talk this morning about unity and diversity and maturity. All of which are in this passage. Last week we looked at the first six verses of this chapter. And we looked at this pivot in Paul's teaching after the first three chapters where he says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I'm urging you to live worthy of the calling that you have received. And last week, we looked at this sense of uh, balance, that the word for worthy is, in the Greek, is axios, and it means uh, the the balancing of balancing scales, uh, those old scales that you'd put weights on one side. And then, so Paul says, because of this great calling that's on your lives, and all that God has done for you that I have outlined in these first three chapters as we see them, this first part of my letter of the calling and the redemption and the forgiveness and the the lavishing of grace on your lives and uh, the bringing you into the kingdom of God and the bringing together of Jew and Gentile in Christ and, and the inheritance that you have in the saints and the promises you've received and because of all this great sense of calling that is on you, I urge you, Paul says, to live worthy of this calling And then Paul speaks of the character that's required to fulfill the calling and to bring together the unity of Christ. And he speaks to them of being gentle with one another and patient and bearing with one another in love and and, uh, and humble, be humble and gentle and patient and bear with one another in love. And maintain the unity that's given by the Holy Spirit. We don't create the unity. The unity is given by the Spirit of God. We said last week that Jesus died for this unity. He prayed for this unity in John 17 on the eve of his death. He prayed that we, the church, we, the followers of Christ, we would be one as he is one with his Father. As Father, Son, and Spirit are one, so he prayed for us that we would be one. And he said, this is how the world will know that these are my disciples. This will be the testimony of the church to the world, the unity of the church. So Jesus Jesus died for this. He died so that the Jew and the Gentile and the dividing wall of hostility could be broken down. They could become one in Christ, raised up into the heavenly places. He died for this and gave his life for this. He prayed for this. He commanded this. He gave his spirit for this. The world needs this. And we are called as the church to maintain this. And what Paul says is make every effort, i.e. spare no effort. Give all of your will, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength to maintain this unity of the body of Christ with the bond of peace, these ropes of peace that tie you all together together. Because there's a lot at stake here. So, so Paul's calling them to live worthy and he's calling them to unity. And he's, and, and, and he's saying to, to fulfill that calling, you're going to have to show levels of gentleness and humility and forbearance. And sometimes just putting up with one another and putting up with difficult characters and having a, a largeness of soul is what the word patient means in the Greek setting there. Have, have a largeness, a bigness of soul towards other people. So there's this challenge towards unity that Paul uh, speaks of as he writes to these believers. But what is he calling us to then? Is, is he calling us to some kind of Stepford Wives existence where we all have a grin on our face and we're all the same? And, and we all like, walk around and we all just get on perfectly in this utopia like robots. We're, we're not to be some Christian version of the Stepford wives, if ever you've read that book or seen that film, where they all kind of get their brain taken out and they're like these perfect robot wives. Paul is calling us to unity, but he's also calling us to diversity. Unity does not mean uniformity. It does not mean that we're all the same. In fact, what Paul goes on to make very clear is that we're not all the same. We're all very different. And God takes together this beautiful collection of people, uh, the, the Shekinah of congregation, the mess of congregation. He puts them all together in one pot and he produces something beautiful and wonderful. Remember what we said in the earlier chapters where Paul speaks of the church being the manifold wisdom of God, which is being presented to the principalities and the powers. And we said that in the, in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's the same word for manifold there that is used for Joseph's coat of many colors. And we, the church, are the manifold, multicolored, beautiful demonstration of God's wisdom to the principalities and the powers. There's nothing like the church of Jesus Christ, to show the wisdom of Christ. is God's plan A, it's God's plan B, and it's God's plan C. There is no other plan but the church of Jesus Christ. And so we are to demonstrate in our unity, but not in our uniformity, in our diversity, we are to demonstrate the power of God to the principalities and the powers and to this world, that there is something in here in the body of Christ that is amazing and that is God-given and grace gifted, and is for the proclamation of, to the praise of his glory. So Paul uh, goes on and says, but to each one, verse seven, he's saying we're all, we are all we have one Lord, we have one faith, this sevenfold oneness, we have one baptism, we have one God and Father of all, who is over all and, and through all and in all. We have this oneness, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And that is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and he gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who ascended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. These few verses here, speaking of, Uh, Jesus' ascension, descension, and giving of gifts calls into memory uh, Psalm 68, which is a psalm about a conquering king who wins the spoils of war and then distributes those spoils to the people. And the same imagery then Paul draws on as he he pulls out Psalm 68, and he refers to Jesus as being the representation of, of the victorious king who has won the spoils and is now distributing the gifts to the people. He's saying Jesus descended to the very depths of the earth. He came, we read in Philippians chapter two, and he lowered himself even to death on a cross. And so God exalted him to the highest place. And he and is the highest name. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess. So Jesus descended. Jesus uh, led the captives captive he he conquered the powers and the principalities through his death on the cross and now as the conquering king who has won the spoils he's going to give out gifts he's distributing these gifts to the body of Christ to each one grace has been given has Christ has apportioned it Jesus is giving out these gifts to the body of Christ He's won the battle over Satan and over the principalities and over the powers. He is victorious and now he's giving out these gifts to the church as he apportions them. And and we read elsewhere that these same gifts are given by God the Father. God loves to give good gifts to his children. They're given by the Holy Spirit. There are seven. Several scriptures in the New Testament that speak of the spirit of God distributing the gifts. So God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit get together and decide, let's give this gift to her. Let's give this gift to him. This will be a great gift. And I don't know how you are with gift giving and matching gifts that just perfectly match the personality of the recipient that you're giving the gift to. You know, when you receive that gift, and you think, that is just the perfect gift for me. They've really put thought into that gift. They know who I am. They know my personality. They've given me a great gift. And equally, have you ever received a gift that it could not have been more poorly matched to you? That you think, oh, <coughs> that gift is awful. So early on in our marriage, Jenny gave me a gift and uh, we hadn't been married very long so she was still kind of working out some stuff and she gave me and I, I want you to feel the full horror of these <laughs> next words <laughs> she gave me a beige velour suit <clears throat> beige velour suit it, it was, it was a, a crime <laughs> against fashion <laughs> It was. I've asked her permission to tell this, don't worry. Um, it, was, it was heinous, wasn't it? Yes. It made me look like, um, like a very well-dressed teddy bear. <laughs> or, or a very hip hippopotamus. <laughs> so it was quickly recycled to the uh, charity shop. <laughs> wasn't the best gift. And I, in fairness, have given Jenny some duffers over the years, but let's move on anyway. Um, But Jesus and God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, they distribute these gifts to the body of Christ and they are the perfectly apportioned gifts that we need and that the body needs. And there are various scriptures, that the passage that we're looking at today speaks of the leadership, leadership gifts that are given to the church. I mean, he's called some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be pastors and teachers and some to be evangelists so that God's people can be equipped for the work of the ministry. But there are plenty of other gift lists in the Bible. If we do a quick, uh, a quick survey of them, um, we've got Romans chapter 12. Verses six to eight. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Same kind of wording. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So there's this list of gifts gifts there, and they are given according to the grace of God, and they are different gifts, according to the spirit of God. But whatever gift we are given, we are to use it faithfully. And and let's look at another one. There's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gifts them to each one just as he determines. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 to 31. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, and second, prophets, and third, teachers, Then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healings? do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts." Of course, the answer to that question is no, we don't have all of those gifts. They are given and distributed to the body of Christ as the Spirit wills. And then finally, in another gift list, we read in 1 Peter 4, verses 10 to 11, and we read there, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Um, Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So these are the various gifts and these are not exhaustive lists of gifts. They're exemplary lists of gifts that are given to the body of Christ and they range from helping other people so using uh, those that are really good at administration, those that are good at serving and helping other people, those that have been given the gift of, of generosity, of giving, those that have been given other gifts of teaching, of leading. There's just this wide range of gifts. There's such a diversity of gifts that, that Jesus has given to the church. So there is unity in the church, but there is also this great diversity. When we read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses four to seven, we read there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works in all of them. So it's different, the same. Different, the same. Different, the same. It's the same God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but it's different gifts and different ways of working and different personalities. And so we have one Lord, and we have one baptism, and we have one faith and one spirit. We are, uh, we have one Father and Lord of all. We are one body. We have this sevenfold oneness, and yet we have different gifts and different outworkings and different personalities. We have this beautiful, flowing, manifold wisdom of God to demonstrate His wisdom to the principalities and powers. So we have unity, but we have great diversity. And then we have here in Ephesians chapter four, we have these leadership gifts that are given to the church. So Jesus who has descended and ascended and given out these gifts, it was he, it was Jesus who gave some. We, it's not those people choosing it themselves. It was Jesus who gave some to be apostles and he gave some people to be prophets and he gave some to be pastors and teachers and he gave some to be evangelists. I was watching a talk by Rob Fowler who's a pastor at Whitley at St. Chad's and he was using for this, he was using a football analogy and Jesus is the manager of the football team and he is the great tactician and he has put various players in various positions on the pitch. So it didn't quite stretch to the role of apostle. I think there were the capital letter apostles, the apostles of the early church who were eyewitnesses of the risen Christ, the 12 followers plus Paul plus Matthias, those that had seen the risen Christ and were the eyewitnesses uh, and and used by God as the apostles and the prophets as the foundation of the, the church. But I think there are small letter apostles, A, small letter A apostles, who are apostle just means the sent one. Those that are particularly strong in missionary work, those that are church planters, those that initiate new ministries, those that set up network of churches—I think is an apostolic, sent missionary position uh, given by God to the church and is still active today. But also there's the there's the role of um, there's the role of the pastor and the teacher. The pastor is the central midfielder. And uh, he, he links up different people around the church body, around the team. The ball gets passed to him and he passes it to someone else, passes it out to the winger, passes it out, passes it back to the defender, passes it to the center forward. The, the pastor is the, the overseer, the shepherd of the people and is, is uh, given that general gifting. He's like a general practitioner of leadership. You've got in defense, you've got the, the teacher's, The teacher is the one that teaches the whole counsel of God, that takes the word of God and breaks it down into bite-sized pieces and teaches the body of Christ to build it up and to bring it to maturity. You've got the evangelists who are the ones that put the ball in the net, who get the ball across the line of faith. The evangelists, they're always goal-hanging. They're always hanging out around unsafe people. They are given to the body of Christ. Uh, to lead people to faith. Now, all of us, all of us are called to share our faith with other people. It says in Peter, uh, be ready to give a reason for the faith that you have. And we are all called to be evangelists. We are all called to share our faith. But there are some given to the body of Christ that have a special gifting to make simple and plain the gospel and to lead people to faith. We saw it in the likes of Billy Graham, didn't we? Where you would... You would go to hear Billy Graham speak. I heard him speak at um, Liverpool, at uh, Anfield, and um, sat on the cop listening and watching these thousands of people listening to Billy Graham give a very simple message. Uh, there, There were probably many people around the world that could have given a more complicated or a more intricate talk But he would present the gospel in all of its simplicity and with the anointing of God on him as evangelist. Then he would invite people to faith and thousands of people would stream forward with this gift of an evangelist. We think of Nicky Gumbel, who's been used so tremendously by God as as an evangelist with the Alpha Course that's gone worldwide and has seen millions of people hearing the gospel. And John Wimber... (laughs) who was an an American pastor and used by God, speaking out a word of prophecy to Nikki Gumbel in a meeting and saying, you have been given the gift of an evangelist. You are an evangelist. And he at the time was a barrister in London and he said, I don't wanna be an evangelist. And, And he fell over under the power of the spirit of God as this word was spoken over him. You are called to be an evangelist. And uh, even though he resisted it, they carried him out of the meeting in the end. Uh, But but obviously that was the calling of God on him uh, and is on him still to lead people in a beautiful way to faith in Jesus Christ. It's a gift to the body of Christ. It's a center forward of the team. And then the prophets, if you like, are the captain of the team in the sense of sometimes... When when a football team is playing and the the opposite team changes their tactics and changes their formation, the manager needs to get a word to the team to change formation, to change their attack, to to change their tactics. And the prophet sometimes comes and gives a word from the manager to the team. (laughs) Here's what God is saying in this season and speaks it out to the body of Christ. It's a word in season. It's an instruction. It's It's a direct word from God in the sense of for now, that that discerns what God is saying. It's used to edify and build up the church. That's the office of a prophet. It's different from those that give words of prophecy or words of encouragement or exhortation. Again, we can all do that. We can all exhort and encourage and build up and give words of prophecy in that sense. But there are those that are specifically called to the body of Christ as prophets to speak into and uh, speak the specific words of God. Now, if we don't follow our positions and do what God is calling us to do, the team gets messed up. If the teacher who's at the back in defense decides he wants to be a center forward, then the team is going to get all out of shape. If too much emphasis is placed on the central midfield, the central midfield is going to get tired. And lose their legs and the other players need to play their part those on the wing who are picking out those who are on the edges of the church and bringing them in and getting them involved in the game we all have our different spaces and our different places and our different callings that God has given but they are for the building up and the edification of the church and God has given these leadership giftings to the church uh, for the maturing and the building up and the unity of the church. And they are all important. And if you look at the uh, verses here that Paul goes on to share, these gifts are given for unity, they are given for maturity, they are given for stability, and they're given for honesty. These are the four things that come out of the passage as we read on. that He, he has given, Jesus has given to the church these gifts and all these other gifts that we've read about, he's given the gifts of the apostle and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers. Why has he given them? He's given them to prepare God's people for works of service so that God's people can do the ministry. Sometimes people say things like, the church needs to do this. The church needs to do more of that. The church needs to be more pastoral. The church needs to... Uh, sing more, sing less. The church needs to, uh, why can the, can the church do this? Uh, I know this need. Can the church do that? And sometimes the church is seen as an institution or a centralized office. Or, But we are the church. We are the ministers. We are God's ministers. We are God's people. So sometimes when, you know, we say the church needs to, <laughs> there's a need here and the church needs to meet it. The church is us, we are the team. <laughs> we are the players, we are the ministers. One church in America that John Stott went to, it said, uh, I think it said senior minister, such a body, associate minister, such a buddy. Uh, uh, the congregation, uh, all, all ministers, or all further ministers, the congregation, we're all ministers of Christ. We are all to be equipped for the works of service that we are called to do. So it's the illustration that David has given us over the years of the, of the cocks, the, the, the model that the Bible gives us is, is, the, is the cocks, the leader, the pastors, the, the five-fold ministry are there to, to coach the team who are rowing the boat and, and doing the work. And some churches have a model that the pastors or the leaders, they're the ones rowing and everybody else is sat in the boat watching. That's not the model of the church that the Bible gives us. The model of the church that the Bible gives us is that the, the leaders of the church equip God's people to do the works of the ministry. You are the ministers. <laughs> you are the ones to meet the needs of the people. You are the ones to pastor each other. You are the ones to look after one another. You are called to be part of this team. And so Paul says that, that these leaders, they are given just to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity. We're called to this unity together, and part of the leadership role is to call to unity. And also, until we reach the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, the leadership roles and giftings are given to mature the church and help the church to grow up and to grow in their faith to grow in unity, to grow in maturity, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, but also to bring stability. The leadership giftings are given to the church to bring stability. So Paul says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. (coughs) I saw in the news last week of a... a child that had been cut loose on a dinghy, and the coast guard was called out because this child was crying his little eyes out. The parents were panicking. They'd, the dinghy had gone out to sea it was being buffeted around uh, this little child in the, the uh, lifeboat came out and rescued this child but paul says i don 't want you to be like children <laughs> tossed around infants, tossed around on the waves." <laughs> Uh, here and there listening to that bit of teaching and then that bit of teaching and I saw that on the internet and I read that on Facebook and uh, you know being tossed from here to there to here to there having no sense of stability or maturity or unity but the the body of Christ is to be brought to these places brought to unity, brought to stability brought to maturity by the leadership giftings that are given to the church And, and that is what they are there for and they also, they're there to bring truth, speaking the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. The verb is not actually speaking in the Greek, it's just one verb and it means truthing. Truthing in love it means whatever you do, whatever you say, whoever you are, that you do it truthfully and you do it in love. And as we do that, as we bring honesty and truthfulness, Uh, and do that in a place of love, then that will bring uh, benefits to the body of Christ. Truth in in love. So, God has given, by his spirit, by his will, in his grace, a, a multitude of gifts to the body of Christ, to each one of us. We're all on the team. We are all ministers. We all have a part to play. And he's given to some These gifts of leadership of the apostles and the prophets and the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists. And he's done that so that the body of Christ can be brought to unity, can be brought to maturity, can be brought to stability, and can be brought to a place of honesty and integrity. And that's all through the grace of God. So we, as a church, some final thoughts we are, wherever we are, whatever giftings God has given us, in our diversity, in our unity but not uniformity, we are to hold to our position. Some of us have been given a mercy gift. We are, we are great showers of mercy. We are merciful and compassionate and kind and pastoral and we look for the outliers and the broken and, and the down and out and... And God's just gifted you with that gift. And that's your gift. And you hold your position. Don't try and be something that you're not. (laughs) Because you kind of like their gift over there. Or you like what they're doing over there. I've seen this in the church so many times over the years. I've seen someone who's very gifted in that area. And it's obviously that's their niche. But I don't want to do that. I want to do that. (laughs) And they're not gifted in that area at all. It's like shoehorning them into something that just doesn't fit them at all. And uh, we warned against gift projection, trying to make my gift somebody else's, but also gift envy that I want to have somebody else's gift. So hold your position. The church doesn't work when we play out of position. The team breaks down. But secondly, hold your position loosely. What Paul said to Timothy was, I want you to take these things that have been entrusted to you, Timothy, and I want you to entrust trust them to reliable people also who would be qualified to teach others. So sometimes, like the England squad coming up to the Euros, they'll have three or four right backs in the squad, <laughs> and they might be rotated, or different people might be brought into position. So don't always think, this is my position, and I'm going to hold on to it. <laughs> it's like, hold your position lightly. Hold your gift lightly. And what the challenge to Paul, from Paul to Timothy, was try and give it away, Timothy. Get other people in the game. (laughs) Come on, share your gift with others and trust those things to reliable people who will be qualified also to play. So, our job is not to hold on to my gift and not share it with anybody else. This is my job, (laughs) this is my position in the church. But it's to hold it loosely. And say, I'm going I'm to share this with others. I'm going to try and train up others and qualify others and release others and let other people join in the joy of being part of that team. So hold your position, but hold it loosely. But get in a team. Get in a team. Let me uh, read you this John Stock quote, um, which says this, clearly the way the whole body grows is for all its members to use their God-given gifts These gifts are so beneficial both to those who exercise their ministry faithfully and to those who receive it that the church becomes steadily more healthy and mature. So we are all called to get in a team and get involved. Fourthly, we need to stay fit. You know, the the team suffers when they've got lazy players, (laughs) when they've got players who are not fit. And so we are personally responsible for our walk with God. I'm personally responsible for, yeah, for my intake of scripture, for my walk with God, for my prayer life, for, for, for honing my gift, for making sure I use my part of the team. I'm, I'm carrying my weight in my part of the pitch. And if I don't, if I get lazy, if I don't do what I'm called to do, then the rest of the team's going to suffer. So stay fit in your position. Do, do whatever you can. Those are a season where I was the youth pastor here in the church and I, I was at a conference and I heard one of the regional leaders saying, you might not be the senior pastor, you might be the youth pastor, but be the best youth pastor you can be in your position. Be the best you can be in your position and stay fit and hone your acts and, and hone your gift. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, Timothy, I want you to study and show yourself a workman approved And to God who knows how to correctly handle the word of truth, work at your gift and use it well. So whatever God's called you to, and as we read out those gift lists, it said, didn't it, if you're a teacher, teach well. If you're a giver, give generously. If you're an administrator, tie it all together and organize everyone. Whatever you are, do it and do it well. And finally, as a team, we win and we lose together. Ephesians 4, verse 16 says, From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We as a team, we we win and we lose together. When part of the team suffers, we all suffer. When we celebrate each other's victories, we win and lose together. The body builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So there's this great challenge here from Paul. It's a challenge towards unity, but not uniformity. It's a challenge towards diversity. It's a challenge to grow up in Christ. And this is how it happens, Paul says. This is how the church grows. This is how the church matures. This is how we have unity. Uh, as, As the church does its job, as the ministers minister, as the leaders equip the people of God, to do the work of ministry, then the church can grow up, can grow together, can grow out, it can show the wisdom of God to the world and to the principalities and the powers, and it can achieve that to which it's called. So the word that Emma shared earlier in the meeting is that God has got these gifts for us. <laughs> maybe, he's, maybe he's sent some messengers, some angelic beings. Maybe it is a season, uh, where he wants to just release some grace gifts. And God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit, in this season of our church's life, like, you know, when you bought somebody a really good gift, you can't wait to give it to them. Really excited. This is just going to be the perfect gift for them. I think sometimes, yeah, the Bible says, God delights to give good gifts to his children. He's the father of lights. And, and God's got gifts for us as a church. And God's got gifts for us as individuals. He just loves to give us gifts that are perfectly apportioned for us and, and for our time of life as well. So let's be ready to receive those and let's be faithful in the use of them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you have called each one of us uh, for this season, and you have given grace gifts. And I pray for this people, Lord, and those watching online, and I pray, God, for the, the apportioning of these grace gifts, that they would be used for the glory of God, that they would bring this sense of unity and maturity and stability, Lord, within the church of Jesus Christ. And I I pray, Lord, that if you have if it is a season of of distribution and giving of gifts and releasing people into ministry, people getting on the team and having a go, I pray, Lord, that each one of us would take up our place, we'd minister well and minister faithfully, and realize that as we do that together, Lord, then the body's gonna grow as each part does its work, it's gonna build itself up in love. We pray, Lord, that you do this in this season. Let it be a rich season of ministry and growth and outreach, people coming into your kingdom. Lord, release those leadership gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists. Release all of these other gifts that are listed, Lord, we pray, so that you may be glorified, the one that holds it all together. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.